Today I'd like to study with you on the subject of why do we need elders. And this may not be a question that has crossed your mind, but in my work as an evangelist, I travel a lot of places and a lot of people ask me this question. Why do we need elders? And I think it's an important study and I hope that you'll be edified by it. I want to encourage you to follow along. We'll, of course, have the scriptures up on the screen. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 13 and verse 17, the writer of the letter of Hebrews says, Obey them that have the rule over you. And specifically in this passage, he's speaking of elders and in their role of superintending or oversight of a congregation. And this is what he says, Obey them that have the rule over you submit yourselves for they watch for your souls and so this is a concept that is important to understand as we endeavor to answer the question why do we need elders I think this is the short answer they watch for the souls and th that's important that's very needed and in my role as evangelist and have been blessed to travel for many years and look at congregations and evaluate congregations, and when I go to a congregation, I look at a congregation, I say, what do they need? What are they lacking? Which direction are they going? And is it the right direction? And many times elders are lacking in those congregations. They watch for your souls. That's what they do. The first mention of elders in the church is Acts chapter 11. And you may think, well, when you think about the New Testament from Matthew through John to Acts 11, seems like a whole big chunk that that's not much mention of elders. But the church didn't come in existence until Acts chapter 2, and there's no mention of elders. And certainly there was a time of infancy in the church where perhaps it took a little while. Many times previous to and occasionally after Acts 11, we read the word elder and it's speaking of the Jewish leaders or elders. And this would be known as the Sanhedrin, which was the Jewish leaders who led the nation in a religious way. Uh, and so here in Acts 11, it's specifically referring to elders in the church in the way you and I would think of elders. And specifically, it's referring to the elders at the church in Jerusalem. And I want to look at that passage. In Acts 11, verse 27, In those days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch, and there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. And so, if you think about the context of this passage, these elders at Jerusalem are going to oversee the dispersion of money that the disciples from churches all over are gathering up and they're going to send this money. And the elders' job is to oversee. Why was this important? Because people were going to starve. And people were, going to, were in big trouble. There's a terrible famine, and they needed help. They needed relief. And so elders were watching out for the souls of these people by virtue of this money coming into their hands and this money being dispersed. And so I want you to think about, I know we've had a lot of teaching on elders, but I want you to refocus your minds with me just for a little while today. 
We have the word elder in the New Testament, which is the word and term we commonly use, and especially we use that in 1 Peter 5.1. We'll probably read it today, but I'm not going to turn and read it. But it comes from the Greek word presbyteros, which means a comparative of presbys, or elderly, or older as a noun, or a senior, specifically an Israelite, Sanhedrist, also figuratively, member of the celestial council or Christian presbyter. In other words, the word elder is an older man who oversees the work of the church. Hence the term elder or older. And so we have a struggle in Nigeria because they have tribal elders that are Christians. And they may not be qualified at all to be an elder in the church, but they feel like they should be a church elder because they're a tribal elder, which means older man. Okay, that's one word. We also have the word presbytery. And you might notice uh, this is 42-45, presbyterios. 42-44 is presbyterion. So very, very similar terms as presbytery. This occurs in 1 Timothy 4 Verse 14, and it's a very similar in the definition. Israelite Sanhedrin Christian Presbytery. So a very similar term. We could call our elders presbyters. They wouldn't like it, but we could do that. Okay, pastor is also a very similar term. We find this in Ephesians 4. The world looks at pastor as someone who preaches at a church or someone who runs a church. And typically that's a single person who does that or a person who does that without someone else. Thayer describes the word pastor as a herdsman or a shepherd. He goes on to say the presiding officer, manager, director of any assembly. So of Christ the head of the church. 2A is of the overseers of the Christian assemblies. And so pastor, as it's used in scripture, is the same as elder or presbyter. You could put all these terms and just lump them together because they mean the same thing. The next one is bishop, another term we don't really use. Philippians 1 verse 1, this term is episkopos in the Greek. And it means a superintendent. Again, a Christian officer in general, in charge of or the church. A bishop or overseer, you might notice 1985 Episcopos. And so the final term is overseer, which is exactly the same term as bishop. Uh, and it's used in the very same way. And so people sometimes say, well, we don't have that much information, or why aren't there more about it? There's piles and piles of information in the New Testament about it. There just happens to be a multiple terms that all talk about it in different ways. So there's a lot of information about things that are very important. Sometimes there's a little bit of information about something that is still important, but there's a ton of information about faith because faith's important. And there's a ton of information about love because love is important. And I'm here to tell you today, there's tons of information about elders because they're important. Churches that did have elders. Now, we've already looked at one. Jerusalem had elders. Acts 21, 17. And, we, and when we were come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. And the day following, Paul went in with us unto James, with all the, and all the elders were present. This church, which makes sense, it was the first congregation, and it had elders. 
And many times, especially in Acts, we tend to read about elders in the book of Acts. That's the church at Jerusalem. It had elders. Philippi had elders. Philippians 1 verses 1 and 2. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. This introduction that Paul gives in his letter to the church at Philippi, he specifically addresses the elders and deacons, or the presbyters and deacons, or we could even say pastors and deacons. So Philippi, Jerusalem. Next is Ephesus, and this is also from the book of Acts 20:17. Paul from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. Now, these are only three I know of that are mentioned. And you, now I know what you're going to say. If it's mentioned a lot, then why isn't it? Why aren't there all these churches listed that have elders? Well, there were other churches that have elders. They're just not named. And I want to show you why I believe that's true. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Do you know where that is? Somebody goes, I know where Asia is. Yeah, I know where Asia is. Asia's big, isn't it? Well... What this is talking about, the, this area is modern-day Turkey, uh, which would be the whole area of Turkey. We might even call it Greater Turkey. So this was a very large area, a country-sized area. And Peter's writing this letter to the strangers, and that seems odd because it's an odd use of the word. Most of the times in the New Testament, the word stranger is, is uh, translated as pilgrim which is a person who travels for a religious reason. And so Peter is addressing Christians that are scattered throughout Turkey. That is who Peter is writing to. Okay, he says, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. That's how he begins his letter. 1 Peter. Now I want to go to chapter 5 of 1 Peter, verse 1. He says, The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder. So in Turkey, or greater Turkey, there was lots of elders. How many? I don't know. But evidently there were congregations that had elders in those places because Paul references, Peter references, those elders in his letters to all the strangers or church members who are scattered throughout Asia, Pontus, Galatia, etc. So in the New Testament, there were many congregations that had elders. There are a multitude of terms that cover the use of those names and what they were for. And so we get to the question is, why do we need elders? And the first response that I hear from people is, we're doing fine without elders. Why do we need them? Because we're doing good. Which is all a matter of perspective. Are you doing good? Maybe you are, maybe you're not. How do you know you wouldn't be doing great or fantastic if you've never had elders? It's real easy to say we're doing good. But if you've never had elders, you don't know you might be doing fantastic. And there's a big difference in those two things. An enormous difference. The second says, why change what's working? 
What we do is working, so why change it? Which the same answer applies. How do we know it's working? And if we haven't done it the other way, and if we haven't tried it with elders, it might work much better. And that's a common response. And then people say, well, we've never had elders, and we've just gotten along just fine. <clears throat> okay. Here's why we need elders. Number one, this is the long answer. We're commanded to have elders. We have examples of elders being installed in churches. And number three, or sub-point three, is it's inferred, it's an inference that it's important that we have elders. I want to show you what I'm talking about. Titus 1 verse 5, For this cause left I thee in Crete. This is the Apostle Paul giving a command to Titus the evangelist, for this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order that there are things that are warning and ordain elders in every city, as I have appointed thee. Crete was an island in the Mediterranean Sea that had 90 to 100 cities. And so the Apostle Paul is telling Titus, you better go to work because these churches all need elders. That's the command. That we have written. I don't know how many commands you want or how many commands you need. I think one's plenty. But that's the command. Ordain elders in every church or every city. The example is from Acts chapter 14 verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many. Now this is Paul. They returned again to Lystra, to Iconium, to Antioch. Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every church. So we have the command, and then we have the example of them following out the command. God commanded it, and they obeyed. And they went to ordaining elders. And this is another instance where we know that there were elders in churches and they're just not listed or named in the New Testament. They had elders there. Finally, the inference where it's inferred. Mark 6 verse 34. Jesus, he came out, saw much people, was moved with compassion towards them because they were sheep not having a shepherd. What is the inference? Sheep need a shepherd. Is God worried about sheep? No. He's worried about souls. He's worried about Christians. He wants people to be saved. And the inference is people need a shepherd. And elders are shepherds and people are the flock. And that's what's inferred in Mark chapter 6. Let's look at Matthew 26, 31. Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. What's inferred? If you don't have a shepherd, the sheep will scatter. What happens when sheep scatter? They die. The inference is the necessity of leadership within any organization, but especially within the church. Because as churches don't have elders and people don't have leadership, then there's going to be problems. Why? Because they watch for the soul. They watch for the soul. Number two, why do you need elders? Because they guide the church like a father. Like a father guides children is the idea. I want you to look with me 
I don't know, a little piece of the qualifications from 1 Timothy 3, the qualifications for men to be elders or bishops. He must be a man that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. He's got to be this kind of man. He's not going to just be lucky and luckily had all these things happen. If his house runs well and his children are obedient to him, he's a good kind of a man. Is the idea. He says, for if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Which is exactly what elders' roles is. To watch for the soul. That means to help a soul to grow, to help a soul to mature, to help a soul on its walk and on its journey toward heaven. Because there's going to be temptations and trials and there's going to be tragedies along the way that derail and deceive and destroy. And so the great use of elders is to guide the church like a father. And I will tell you this, that means you. Elders are trying to help you and guide you. Along the way. And you know what we would call a child who won't listen to his parents and is stubborn? We'd say that's a rebellious child. And we'd want to spank that child or discipline that child or at the minimum stand him in the corner. <clears throat> Hebrews thirteen seven. Remember them which have the rule. There's a system of authority here. We tend to not like it because this is America and it's a democracy. This, ch this church is not a democracy. It has a head. That's Jesus. He's the king. And he rules and he appoints the rulers. And in our case, that's elders or deacons. James 5.14, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders. Why? Because they watch for the soul. And they want to help. In John chapter 10, verse 12, he puts it this way. He that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. There's ownership in having elders because they watch for the soul. Now, you take any mother in this building and you threaten her child and she's not going to flee. She's going to grow teeth and fangs and claws. and Why? It's her baby. Her child. We all believe it. We see it. We know it. And this is true for the church. And it's a grim reality and I want to help you to see it. We need people to watch for the soul. It's important. Oversight is extremely important. I have a perspective... And I'm blessed, I'm blessed. I go to congregations and I go, where's Brother George? Where's George? He's not, been, he's not here. What? 
I, I go to ask him, where's George? I don't know. I don't know. We haven't seen George. We haven't seen George six weeks. I just want to pull my hair out. Well, if you didn't see your kid for six weeks, you'd go hunt your kid, wouldn't you? That, that's behavior of a hireling. Isn't it? We haven't seen George. We don't know what's going on. We don't know why George won't come to church. Meanwhile, George is in the hospital dying. And that's the difference in somebody watching and having ownership, you see. Now, we should all have that care and that concern. <clears throat> Oversight's important. We need someone watching. In Acts 20, verse 28 to 31, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. He's, Paul is speaking to these Ephesian elders. To shepherd the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch, and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Their job is to watch. What for? The wolf? For apathy? For indolence? For breakdown? Misuse? For everything. It's a tremendous job. Watch it all. And specifically here, he warns them to watch the other elders. Keep your eye on these guys. Because he said the grievous wolves are going to come up from your own selves. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 3, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. Watch and oversee and manage is the idea. Not by constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. We've talked about this before. I want to refresh in your mind. An example. Why not use the word example? Somebody says, oh, King James. You know King James. But this is a different word. In samples means a die as struck. It means to form or mold the flock. To help them to become what they need to be. That's the idea. And I think the church as a whole doesn't have a view of this exactly as it falls in line with Scripture. We need elders who actively oversee and mold each of us to be what we need to be. To be what the kingdom needs. You know what? Every church needs somebody who's passionate about singing who's passionate about song leading, who's passionate about learning new songs. Every church needs it. An elder's got a responsibility to cultivate that. Every congregation needs someone who's passionate about helping people in the community. Every congregation needs that person who knows what's going on and who needs help and those kinds of things. And it's an elder's responsibility to cultivate that in people. Every congregation needs someone who is passionate about taking care of the baptistry. 
Why? Because that's, that's what we're about, isn't it? To save the lost. I don't know if you ever heard the Merle Fielder story about finding a Bermuda grass root that grew up through the drain into the baptistries, 28 feet long. It's a true story. How long had it been since we used the baptistry? Too long. I don't, 28 feet too long. An elder's got to come in and go, somebody clean the baptistry. It takes oversight to do those things. It takes management of the Facebook account. Somebody's got to oversee those things. That's important. It takes management of the podcast. It takes management of the ice maker. And on and on and on. All those things have to have oversight. Two entire chapters in the New Testament are devoted to the qualities of these men. So that we can have good leaders. We need good leaders. <clears throat> Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. He gave, himself, he gave himself, and he himself gave, some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors. That's that same word, elder. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Elder's role is to help people to grow and be equipped so that this thing works. And not works a little bit, it thrives. Why? Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things unto him who is the head Christ. That's why... We need elders. And then he goes on to say this. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the affecting working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now I want to ask you a question about this right here. Does it sound like God wants churches to thrive Not squeak by. Not we're doing pretty good. He, what he's describing is thriving. Or as Pappy would say, they're blowing and going. And you know what makes that happen? Good leadership and a highly active membership. That's what makes it happen. Highly active. <clears throat> this right here, Church of Christ Directory 2003, this was compiled by Merle Fielder. 2003. Now, we might say this was the directory of, of our brotherhood. Okay, So it's not every Church of Christ in the country. I'm just I'm being fair about what this is or was 2003 18 years ago. I want to give you a little information about this because I've got the 2021 and now you might notice that's got my name on it because Merle drafted me and little did I know I was going to inherit the directory. I didn't think that'd be but it was. Okay. So 18 years in this 2003, there's 185 congregations. 
31 of these congregations had elders. 31. Sixteen and three-quarter percent. Now, I hope I don't have to tell you, that's, that's pitiful. Sixteen percent. It's terrible. So, 154 had no elders. 154 with no elders. That's 83 and a quarter percent. 39, if we go to this directory, 39 congregations have closed in 18 years. 39 are dead. Now, we hear that. We, you hear that. That's information. Okay? Does it break your heart that the church in Blytheville, Arkansas is gone? Do you know anyone from Blytheville? If, if anyone here knows anyone in Blytheville, Arkansas, raise your hand. It didn't break my heart. Now, I went there a couple of times. I traveled through the city of Blytheville with Merle Fielder. But it don't make me sad. I mean, I didn't know those people. How about Olivehurst, California? That didn't bother me. I'll tell you what. Hugo bothers me. I've done a lot of work in Hugo. Me and O'Daff stayed in the Roach Motel. <laughs> we were first married. Knocked every door in that town. We did it eight years in a row. Spring and fall. Every door. You know what happened to Hugo? It's gone. It's dead. I went by there the other day. There's not even a building. They demolished it. You let me tell you something about Hugo. Nice people there. People in the church were nice people. They weren't involved. When I would go to Hugo to hold a meeting, I cleaned out the baptistry. It was the first thing I did. You know why? It's full of dust. I cleaned the building. I go trim the tree limbs out from in front of the... A sign. Okay, it's not magic. There's reasons churches thrive, and there's reasons churches don't. And it typically has to do with effort. About that one. We put a lot of work in up there. Brandon. Miles and miles and miles without, you couldn't count them. Others of this congregation would go up there and work and help hold gospel meetings. First gospel meetings they ain't ever preached. Guy in Oklahoma. Gone. You think it's coming back? But why? Now I want to ask you, how many of these congregations had elders? And here's the answer. If I can get my clicker to work. Holdenville, Oklahoma and Perryton, Texas. Two. Now I put an asterisk beside them because at 
At the point they closed, neither one had elders. They lost their elders. Okay? Two. 20% of the congregations without elders closed. 20%. That's 37 out of 154. That's crazy. That's a crazy number. While 1% of congregations that had them closed, 2 out of 185. If you want a congregation to survive, have elders. That's the number one thing you do. 1%. You know, I think this is true uh, throughout all Church of Christ. We talk about the Church of Christ and our, our brotherhood. And I believe in that. I believe we do things the way they ought to be done. I'll tell you, churches of Christ, mainstream churches of Christ are struggling I talked to a guy the other day in the Sunday school congregation. He said that we are losing 75% of our young people. 75%. That is shocking to me. And it's frightening. You know what it tells me? This is important. We need elders in a desperate way. This directory right here from this year, 160 congregations. And 45 of those congregations have elders. That's 28%. That's better. It's 28%. Now I'm going to tell you something that's my belief about that. There's a couple of things going on. I don't know if you all know the history of this congregation back to the days at Allison. From my understanding, this congregation started sometime in the 30s. So 1930-whatever, I don't know. We got elders in 2000. And it took that congregation 70 years? 65? That's ridiculous. It's insane. It, this is an insane number. And we've got a problem. And I don't know what it is. And it's, it could only be a couple of things. One, we're not living very good. If it takes 70 years to get two men to meet the qualifications, then folks, we are not living very good. We're not following it. Or, number two, we're being way too strict about the qualifications. And don't throw a stone at me. I'm not trying to say put in men that are not qualified. I don't want that. But surely we can beat 28%. The, the churches are dying. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up. Congregations with elders generally have newer, larger buildings. I know that that ain't a huge deal, but larger attendance, more teachers, more children, more financial support of the work. It's just true. 
Why have elders? Because they watch for the soul. That means 71% don't have elders. That won't work. Now, you can get out your songbooks. That'd be, that'd be good. You may have wondered, why does he have that picture? Who are those people? I'm sure you know some of them. This ugly guy right here. You might know Tom Hicklin. Alex Lopez. That's Jim Hayes. You know him. D. Teal. All those guys are evangelists. Everyone else in this picture is leadership at the congregation at Plainview. Now, I'm not here today to beat Plainview's drum. They don't need me to do that. But Plainview has about 400 members. It's a pretty thriving congregation. They support a ton of evangelistic work. I mean, tons of money comes through that congregation to support evangelistic work. You know when they had first had elders? 1955. They have continuously had elders since then. Of the men in this picture, not, not these ugly guys on front, but of those other men back there, their eldership has 500 years of experience combined. Now, we have had elders 21 years, which is wonderful. We have been blessed so much. They've been such a blessing. You know what the combined years of experience that they have? 42 years, <laughs> which is great. It's going to take a little time to get to 500, or better yet, 1,000. I'll tell you what the real danger is. What if we lose one? If we lose one of our elders, our combined experience goes from 42 to 21. And if we lose the second one, it goes to zero. Because the congregations who are dying don't have elders. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.